<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show. Patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Well, look at this. Here we are. The first live broadcast of 2018 here on The Bill Press Show. Bill Press and friends. I clearly am not Bill Press. Bill is still away for one more week of vacation uh, as he rings in the new year. My name is Peter Ogburn. I'm sitting in for Bill Press today. Uh, thank you all so very much for tuning in here early in the morning on a January 2nd. I hope you all had a wonderful New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Uh, it's uh, New Year's Eve is pretty low on the rung of, of holidays for me. I'm not a big New Year's Eve fan. New Year's Day was great. New Year's Day was great. I hope you all had a good one. Gosh, we have so much stuff to talk about, so much stuff we missed while we were away. Last week, we had a lot of special programming, some stuff we put on tape for you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, go back and check it out on YouTube, but also uh, make sure you get the podcast. Just look for The Bill Press Show in iTunes. You can hear all of that great stuff there uh, that we put out for you last week. And we're going to have live shows all this week, even though Mr. Press is not here. And he'll be back next week. Gosh, I don't even know where to begin with all the stuff that we missed. But we'll we'll jump right into it just as soon as we can. But first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories for you. It's a Tuesday, right? It's a Tuesday. Tuesday morning. Hey, uh, Peter, did you watch? North Korean President Kim Jong-un's address on New Year's Day. You know, I missed it, Jamie. I'm sad to say I missed it. I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, It was fiery, for sure. He did talk about having the nuclear button on his desk. I said it wrong yet again. You sure did. The nuke button. Yeah, that works. The nuke button on his desk. He also, however, extended an olive branch to the neighbors, South Korea. Uh, He said that he hoped... For, quote, a peaceful resolution with our southern border uh, and would like to discuss uh, the possibility of sending a delegation to the 2018 Winter Games. Of course, the 2018 Winter Games take place in South Korea. Yesterday, later on in the day, <sighs> the South Korean president, Moon Jae-in, welcomed this willingness for the two sides to have talks about the 2018 Winter Olympic Games. It's not going to happen. I don't know. It's a pretty interesting development here. Uh, some analysts say that what Kim Jong-un is trying to do here is drive a wedge 
between South Korea and the United States. You know, uh, that's interesting. I just, I don't see it happening. I think that he's just too much of a, he's too Trumpy. So I guess at this point, North Korea just is, does not send anyone to the Winter Olympics or the Olympics not. in general, right? I guess not. They're not really welcomed on the international stage. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, they don't really follow by rules there. Uh, let's go to the college football recaps oh, from can yesterday. We? Can yeah, we please? Let's, let's go can ahead. Can we do please? It. Hey, let's just get this over with. They've knocked away, intercepted Alabama. Matt Wilson, he's to the left side. He's going to take it in. Touchdown, Alabama. Roll, damn time. The college football championship is set. It's going to be Alabama, the number four seed, meeting Georgia. The number three seed, right? Georgia That's was correct. the number three, number three seed. Two underdogs. Georgia yesterday. defeating number two Oklahoma yesterday. What a in game a that wild, was. wild Rose Bowl, fifty-four forty-eight overtime victory for Oklahoma. Uh, it was Alabama defeating number one Clemson, twenty-four to six. It was never close in the Sugar that game. Bowl. Was never close. Did you stay up for it last night? Uh, confession time. I watched until half, and mm-hmm. then I fell asleep. Uh, and then I woke up just and saw what, what it was looking like in the fourth quarter just to see the score, then I went back to bed. So there's two SEC teams yeah. in the National Football Championship. Uh, you know, you share some uh, common ground with Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who yesterday, oh, last night, tweeted, SEC, SEC. You and Sarah Huckabee Sanders are thrilled about this National Football Championship. First of all, how dare you? Second of all, Carolina won their bowl game yesterday. Auburn lost their bowl game yesterday. And Bama's going to a national championship. This is about as good of a college football day as I've seen maybe ever. Too bad we still live in hell. (laughs) We still live in hell. We still live in hell. On your radio, on TV. And online, this is the Bill Press Show. It's the Bill Press Show here on January 2nd, 2018. That's right, we are live on your TV, Free Speech TV, on YouTube.com slash the Bill Press Show, on your favorite progressive talk radio station, looking at you, WCPT in Chicago. And you can't listen to the whole show. We're on iTunes. Just look for The Bill Press Show in iTunes or anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. Just look for The Bill Press Show. We've got the whole show up there. By the way, if you are listening in Chicago, uh, you don't get the entire show. You miss part of the banter at the beginning of the hour. We keep that in the podcast. The podcast is the only place you can really get that unless you're watching on YouTube. Again, just look for the podcast, Bill Press Show in iTunes or wherever you get your uh, your podcasts. Yes, it is a new year, and it is still the same garbage. We still live in hell. Uh, it is true. I, you know, in our in our preparation for today's show, I'm sitting in the studio. We have the three televisions on, which is one on Fox News, one on CNN, and one on uh, MSNBC. And I'm watching Fox News this morning. I walk in, I turn it on. What's 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 the story that they're doing? Huma Abedin might have shared passwords uh, from her personal email accounts. Like, oh, oh great. Okay. St- still more Hillary Clinton uh, bashing. It's 2000, Pre- 2018. Still not president. President Clinton's going to be impeached any day yeah, now. Yeah. Still not president. Still not president. And yet we're still talking about this crap. And then the next story they go to is, is 2018 the year that Republicans repeal Obamacare? Gee, I don't know. 
They've been trying to do it unsuccessfully for the past eight years. I'm fairly certain right before we left for the holiday break, Mitch McConnell went on record saying, eh, we're over that. We're not going to try to repeal anymore. It's done. The dream is dead. New year, new you. Not for Fox News. It's the it's it's literally the same news as last year, as the year before that, as the year before that, as the year before that. Oh my God. Oh, we live in hell. We live in hell. Jamie Benson, around of the board. Jamie, how are you? How was your break? Did you have a good break? I got sick twice. What's wrong with you? You're the sickest person I've ever met. Yeah, in my I got life. A, I got a problem. What's, I need to what's go, going on? I don't know. I, I need to get. You it got an immune out. system uh, situation. It's bad. You go to the doctor about this? I think I'm going to. Yeah, I would. You taking vitamins? You no. take a daily vitamin? No, I should do that. Yeah, you got to take a daily vitamin. I had a good time, though. It was a fun, fun Sounds break. like it. Fun you got sick twice. <laughs> well, I wasn't I wasn't sick on Christmas Day. That was when I was recovering from the first cold. Uh, I went to Boston for the Celtics-Wizards games. The, the Celtics did lose. And you, got a, and you got sick again? I didn't speak to my family or my girlfriend on the, on the ride home because I was so upset about it. Uh, oh, you're and, that then, guy. Oh, and then yeah. I went out with my friends and had a great time. My <laughs> friends, uh, some of them hadn't met my girlfriend yet. It was it was a good time in, in Portland up in Maine. And then the next morning I woke up and I was sick again. What? And I, and I flew sick home. Oh, Jamie. Yeah. You gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta do some vitamins or something. I think yeah. I gotta I gotta come up with a cocktail that's uh Yeah. Yeah, you gotta work that yeah. out. I had my in laws in town, uh for Christmas, only nice things to say. I assume. It, you know what? It was a nice trip. It was an, it was a nice visit. Everybody was very low key. We we didn't feel like we had to run around and go do a bunch of stuff. We went out and saw the Star Wars movie. Have you seen this? I still haven't seen it. I'm gonna tell you something. I'm done with Star Wars. Oh no, you're one of those. No, I, Star Wars is stupid. The whole thing is stupid. I, I it's so the movie is so dumb, and like. I'm not even one of these people, like, I know that people are nerding out about, oh, this isn't true to Star Wars. Like, I watched it, and it literally is so dumb, it made me question all of Star Wars. And I went back and I watched the original movies. They're fine. Well, we were kids when we first saw them. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I feel like I saw a great a, a great piece that was like, you know what this Star Wars does is it made me realize, like, oh, I had to grow up. And, like, the stuff that I liked when I was a kid, it's okay if I don't like it anymore now that I'm a grown man. Here's the thing. They have such a good formula, though, in that, it, what was it, like a 30-year gap between episodes four through six and one through three, right? Yeah. There's always going to be kids that grow up on this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, there's never going to be- You know what, be, though? There's never going to be an adult that, that walks into Star Wars for the first time because they're going to just keep making them. They're going to keep churning them out. I know. Here's the thing. You know what? You know what? I I I officially was like, oh, this is now bad. My, both of my kids hated the new Star Wars. That's that's pretty shocking. It's it sucks. It sucks. The la- the 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 Force Awakens that last one. It sucked. Rogue One was all Rogue right. One was good. Rogue One was mm-hmm. good. You know what? Because this is I'm not gonna. I, I promise we're gonna move on from this. Yes, we'll keep going. But like the thing that I liked about Rogue One. Is look as bad as the prequels were, and they were very bad. I give them credit for at least trying some new characters, some new storylines, some new like innovative stuff. Even though most of it fell flat, at least they weren't relying on like baked nostalgia, which is what both of the new Star Wars movies do. Well, so that that, that begs the question because this this next movie is sort of in between. Where do you stand on the Han Solo movie? 
I'm not going to see it. Donald Glover is young Lando? Don't care. Mm. Don't even care. I don't care even a little bit. You know what? You know what it is that bo- that bothers me is like Rogue One aside, they can't make a movie that's like, oh, here's an it, like they have all this canon for Star Wars. I mean, it's books have been written about it, and there's like so much stuff out there, and they're like, oh, let's just keep going back to the same old stuff. It's like, oh, do you guys really re- like with the prequels? Do you like really like Darth Vader? Isn't Darth Vader awesome? Isn't Darth Vader just so cool? You know what? We're gonna bring back Darth Vader. Except here's the thing, he's gonna be a little kid. Who cares? Do you know how Hollywood works? How long have you been on this earth? I know. It's just, it's, it's they unsettling. They return to familiar concepts because it's the safest bet, and it is, for for the most part, the, the safest way to avoid losing money. Do you like Luke Skywalker? Isn't Luke Skywalker cool? Doesn't every kid want to be Luke Skywalker? Here's the thing. We're going to bring you more Luke Skywalker. Here's the thing. He's going to be a bitter, angry old man. And no one cares if he can perform his action scenes. It's so stupid. Like to me, this was such. It, it, this was it. This was the, this was the end of my Star Wars. Be careful what you say. Mark Hamill is a friend of the show. Let me just be honest. I love Mark Hamill. I love who he is. I love that he puts his politics out there on Twitter, which is something a lot of stars don't do. But it's not a good movie. Mm. It's not a good movie. Did you? T- uh, I, I tore through a bunch of the uh, Oscar potentials. Yeah. Did you watch any yes. of those? Uh, I did. I watched a couple of them. I've seen some of them already. I watched The Shape of Water. Oh, my gosh. Favorite. Favorite. Was, favorite was, it, uh, was it just not a stunning movie? Incredible. Amazing. Beautiful. Wow, we have a unanimous. Everyone liked it. It's one of the most amazing movies I've ever seen. And by the way, that that director, Guillermo del Toro, I've liked for a long time. Sure. He did. He Pan's, did Pan's Labyrinth. He did Pan's Labyrinth. He also did the Hellboy movies, which I'm a comic book nerd. Those are fantastic comic book movies. Uh, he also did like a really stupid but fun movie, Pacific Rim. Yes, like it's a dumb ass movie, but it's very good. It's good. It's just a fun movie. Uh, <laughs> but this is not a dumb ass movie. It's remarkable. Little PSA: Whatever you do, do not waste your money. Or even your time, if you're going to illegally stream it, and go see Downsizing. Oh, oh One of really? the worst I movies I have ever seen. I actually really want to see that. What, really? Awful. Just poorly constructed, mm. way too long, a lot, way too much Matt Damon. It's a, it's a tough time to be a Matt Damon fan, too. <sighs> that bums me out. Awful. I, that's one I didn't watch. I like Alexander Payne. I think he's great. Roman J. Israel, the, both of these I'm two movies, Downsizing, that. I think, was like 51%. Roman J. Israel was like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. Roman J. Israel, way better than Downsizing, but still not that great of a movie. Yeah, I'm not going to watch For a little reference point. Did you watch The Darkest Hour? Yeah, pretty good. Stupid. That's fine. St- stupid. Masturbatory British bull. Well, they're going to give Gary Oldman a, a long-awaited Oscar. He, <laughs> no, he He's probably not going to be the best actor. He doesn't but, deserve it. But... It'll be like a Susan Lucci Emmy thing. You, you know? know what? I, I got to tell you, I, I I hated that movie so much. I just I you hate, hated it. Yeah, I hated it's it. It's a fine period piece. It's boring. What's, what's wrong with it? It's boring. It's self congratulatory, masturbatory. First of all, first of all, s- screw Winston Churchill. Like it just in general, and also like. There's so much they could have told with the story that they didn't tell, and and and, and, and like it's these movies that like. The Johnny Cash movie a couple years ago and that Ray movie. Big deal. You can put on a bunch of makeup and perform a cabaret act. 
That doesn't just you don't get a best actor or actress nomination. Ben Mendelsohn was very good as the king, though. The king, come I on! I don't care about the king. Bunch of inbred hicks. Happy 2018. Happy Take, Happy Independence, huh? Happy Independence. Yeah. Anyway, look. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about what's happening in the 15 world. Fifteen minutes into the show. Movie talk with Peter and Jamie <laughs> moves on. Um, God, oh God, the New Year's Eve thing. I, I, uh, I got back onto Twitter. I had famously gotten off, of, not famously, but notoriously gotten off of Twitter. Uh, I got back on just in time to see all of the pictures of of Donald Trump shoving himself into a tuxedo like a sausage gets shoved into a casing to go to Mar-a-Lago. For New Year's Eve, the New Year's Eve celebration. Like, first of all, I, 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 one of my New Year's resolutions, which you don't really do New Year's resolution, but one of my New Year's resolutions is I'm going to try and leave all of this. Well, what would have happened if isms behind in 2017? But at the same time, can you imagine an Earth 2 when Hillary, where Hillary Clinton is president? Don't do this. No, 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 no. Just imagine if Hillary Clinton had shown up to the Clinton Foundation New Year's Eve gala. But but it's not even that. It's not even that. It's not even like a charity or a Clinton Foundation. It's just it it's just to line Trump's pockets. He showed up at New Year's Eve just to like tell all these New Year's Eve revelers happy new year. And for what? So he can make some more money? Like, presidents usually go do something, not even on New Year's Eve, but they go do something charitable, they volunteer their time, they lend their name to good uh, services, right? Like, whatever it is that their foundation is doing. Not this guy. He shows up, says, oh, we're going to have a fantastic 2018. We're going to have a great year. It's going to be a fantastic 2018. We're off to a very good start, as you know, with the great tax cuts and Anwar and getting rid of the individual mandate, which was very, very unpopular, as you know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being one of the dummies that fork over? By the way, they raise the prices on this like a lot. And they've got that dead behind the eyes Melania Trump showing up with this guy who's who's shoved into this tuxedo. And then Baron. Baron Trump. By the way, you ever see that kid smile even once? Like, what a miserable child that is. I, I don't blame him. His mom is a walking zombie. His dad has a massive ego and is an idiot. What a combination. Oh, boy. See how happy Don Jr. was this weekend? Uh, Finally getting to spend quality time with, with his daddy. Nothing makes me sadder than Don Trump, Don Jr. being happy. Like, to see him happy makes me mad. Our friend Ashley Feinberg at HuffPost, uh, she has a little bit of an obsession with Don Jr., Jared Kushner, she's very good at this obsession Yeah, as far as displaying it on Twitter. Uh, she made a remark that this is probably the uh, closest Don Jr. will get to his dad all year. <laughs> you know Trump doesn't love Don Jr. No. He doesn't love anybody but He himself. loves Ivanka. Maybe a little too much. That's true. That's Don Jr. T- tweeting a, or, or sending out an Instagram photo yesterday as they were leaving. Uh, <sighs> just a, a, a shot. Excuse me, four shots from Trump Force One. 
Oh. Looking into Air Force One on the same tarmac. Oh. God. Oh. Again, imagine if Chelsea Clinton did that. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, I uh, look, Donald Trump and his idiot son, they're both involved in this Mar-a-Lago situation. They both got this, they're both part of the company, the brand, the, the, the Trump worldwide, whatever. But, like, if you're president of the United States, I would like to think that you've got more on your plate than showing up at your country club where you're serving your guests $700 plates of gray meat for New Year's and watered-down champagne. The ketchup is extra. The ketchup is extra. Uh, like even like even if he had gone out on New Year's Eve and been like, folks, folks, half of what we raise here at Trump tonight is going to go to this charity. I would have been like, okay, well that's that that that, that that's a big step for this idiot. <laughs> like he's just going out there just to make more money on New Year's Eve. I mean, he's essentially just a lounge performer at this point. Well, that's a thing, like. In 2018, I'm going to try and get less upset about Donald Trump because I don't I don't have a visceral hate of Donald Trump. Like I know a lot of people do, I, like a lot of liberals, they see him and they're just like, oh, they get so angry when they see Donald Trump. I don't I don't necessarily get that visceral hate because he's an old man with dementia. Like I don't feel like. He's a super villain. I just think he's an idiot and kind of a puppet, and like his brain doesn't work. I have that visceral hate, but it it comes in waves, comes and goes. That's fair. It's like the big things that he does that are particularly hurtful to everyday people. The transgender directives, yeah, um, not really getting a full grasp on healthcare. But the thing about that, though, because I'm with you, I think that those are all obviously very bad. But like. That's not. Tr- I mean, tr- he pushes it, but that's not Trump's idea. He's just doing stuff that other people are. are but that's not an excuse for it. It's not to say this is okay, but like he doesn't know any better. All right, what about the uh, son of the bitch, the NFL? That's Trump outburst. That's that's, Trump. that's pure. Un- that's pure unfiltered Trump. That made me mad. Mexicans and rapists. But again, but again, I don't think his brain is all there. I, I, my point in all this is saying. And I guess he is parroting Breitbart headlines a lot of the time. I think that that I think that's it. And like, look, the the whole NFL thing is. I mean, Fox News is just as guilty of this as Trump is. Like, they're the ones that have drummed this up for so long, and that's where he gets all of his news. But my point in this is not to to say that like Trump is all right, and I'm okay with what Trump says and what he does. I'm just more angry at the enablers of Trump who get free passes, like Paul Ryan. And Marco Rubio, by the way, Marco Rubio, I want to pull up this quote because over the holiday, I'll read directly from The Hill, thehill.com, quote, Senator Marco Rubio said in an interview published Friday that Republicans, quote, probably went too far cutting corporate taxes in their just enacted overhaul of the tax code. You don't say Rubio said he expects corporations to pay out higher dividends to shareholders and buy back shares to increase their stock price with proceeds from the bill. Where have I heard that before? 
quote, you're going to see a lot of these multinationals buy back shares to drive up the price, end quote, Rubio told the Southwest Florida-based news press. Quote, some of them will be forced because they're sitting on historic levels of cash to pay out dividends to shareholders. That isn't going to create dramatic economic growth. No kidding! That's the point! That's what everybody said the whole time! So it's guys like little Marco that I'm really mad at. Because, by the way, Marco Rubio, he went and voted for this bill. Remember, 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 like two weeks before Christmas when he came out and was like, oh, I can't vote for this bill. And that lasted literally less than 24 hours. Like he said it on the Thursday afternoon and by like late afternoon and by Friday, by the time we were finished with our holiday lunch, he had switched back to say, I'll vote for the bill. Of course, he's going to vote for the bill. No spine. Zero spine. But at least he sees what's happening. Like, he sees that. I mean, I'm not giving him credit, but he's saying, like, oh, yeah, well, we went too far. No kidding. He, I mean, he's not up for re-election in 2018, but his fellow Republicans are going to have to go out and sell this somehow. Why did you sell out uh, the American people to corporations, little Marco? Why did you go out and sell out the American people? Jeff Flake, Bob Corker. And that's that's that that by the way, for everybody who's like, oh, look at John McCain, look at Jeff Flake, look at Bob Corker, look at Susan Collins, look at Lisa Murkowski, look at all these Republicans who are gonna do the right thing when it finally comes down to it. No, they're not. And those are the people that I think I'm really mad at. I'm not all that mad at Trump. Trump is going to be Trump. Trump has always been Trump. By the way, uh New Year's Eve, I, I was in bed at like nine thirty. I didn't stay up late. Oh yeah, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't gonna. I stay was up sick. Late I was that. I was asleep by eight thirty. No, no, you were sick again. Yeah. Uh, did you watch any of the new? Do you, you you didn't watch it this year, obviously? But do you ever stay up and watch any New Year's stuff? The TV, I flip the TV crap. I like to. It's see, all bad. I, I like to see who they trot out each year, right? Steve Harvey in his big uh, snowman outfit what this was year. That? Good for him. Love Steve Harvey. Probably made a lot of money. I'm sure he thanks did. to Fox. Uh, they got rid of Kathy Griffin on CNN, so it was uh, it was Anderson Cooper and um, was it was it, what's that guy's name Andy Cohen? Yeah. By the way, do you know Fox News does uh, New Year's Eve? No. What do they do? do oh, do they have Jesse Waters? Jesse Waters. Yeah. And Kennedy. Oh God. And Richard Fowler is a correspondent. Yeah. <sighs> can you can you imagine? Hey, mother, we're going to stay up late for New Year's Eve. What shall we do? Well, let's watch Fox News. They have Jesse Waters. Jesse Waters. And Ed Henry. And Ed Henry. Like, have you ever noticed how every man on Fox News looks like some version of the Howdy Doody puppet from another dimension? Jesse Waters. Think about that. Is far too manicured. Uh... To be an actual human being. No, he's not a real human. He's an animatronic. He's CGI. Did you not know that about Jesse Waters? He's not actually a real human. He's just an idea. He's just a thought. All of them look fake. All those got Brett Bayer. Guy looks like a Cabbage Patch kid. Except for Shep. He's genuine. Don't Don't you say a bad word about Shep. I won't let anybody say a bad word about Shep on this show. But, um... On CNN, apparently they went to uh, 
they they went to Randy K. She was in Denver, and she was on one of those pot buses. Mm-hmm. By the way, like so, it's legal now in California to to go buy weed. I, weed, I think, is almost over in this country. Like it's like it's becoming too legal. You're gonna have you're gonna have Target selling like pillows that say like. Don't talk to me until I've had my marijuana. Like it's gonna be, it's gonna be awful. By the way, a certain friend of yours who I follow on Twitter, who lives in California. Oh, I know who this is. Go ahead. I think succumbed to some rumors that Target was indeed <laughs> selling weed, and I saw that friend of yours tweet that he went to three, four different Targets <laughs> trying to find weed just to double check that they weren't Darn. selling weed. Uh, you never know. He's a newsman. He, you know, he's, he's a newsman. He had to he's get the curious. story straight. <laughs> The thing is, like, California, I mean, it was practically, it's practically been legal in California for decades. So, like, all these people are like, yay, it's legal. Let me go to my dispensary and go buy some weed. And then, like, oops, it costs triple what I paid for it from the guy that grows it on my block. I'm not sure how that's going to go. It could go either way. Randy Kay, by the way, I mentioned this. Uh, uh, was in was in Denver, Colorado. She uh, did she get stoned, or she just like insinuated that she was around pot. She lit other people's bongs, but she did not get stoned. I mean, clearly she got secondhand stoned a bit. Don't but be she that. Didn't don't actually... be that guy. Don't be that guy to light other people's bongs and not. She brought die. a gas mask too. Jesus Christ! Let me hear this clip. Well, she's in Colorado, where I guess recreational marijuana use. Surrounded by weed. Did you get yes. me the cheaper shoes? She's on a, a, bu- a pot bus, basically. How's it going, Randy? <laughs> it's a, it's going great. I'm definitely earning the nickname Kush K. That's for sure. Uh, right? Oh yeah. Oh come on. Everybody knows what Kush is. So we, yeah, I guess weed is over. It's over. That's a good point. I don't want to smoke weed ever again. Yeah. I mean, I got Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen, two of the dullest people on TV. And then Randy Kay, who's like a news person. And like, no offense to Randy Kay. She's very good at doing the news thing. But why are they putting her on a on a weed party bus? Sort of sounds like you're siding with conservatives who were very upset about this yesterday. I'm not upset in about fact, it. It, 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 it was a thing. In fact, the tweet that I pulled just basically almost verbatim what you just said. This Wait, really? From conservative Ryan Saavedra? I don't know. Never name. heard of him. CNN reporter, in quotes, Randy Kay, said she earned the name Kush K from using drugs while reporting, air quotes, <laughs> for CNN. Look, I, I just, I don't know why they feel the need to do this. Like, you don't have to do, you don't have to put your reporters in quirky, fun situations to make them look awkward. Right, like you don't have to make Anderson Cooper stand up there next to Kathy Griffin while she makes stupid jokes, or Andy Cohen while he makes stupid jokes. Like you don't have to do. Do that. you know what you have to do though? If you're a for-profit television network, you have to get ratings on New Year's Eve. I guess so. You have to deliver to your advertisers and sponsors. I guess so. But like, I I do call me old-fashioned. I do kind of miss the days that they were like. There's one New Year's Eve game in town. And, like, if you want to watch that show, fine. If you want to go out, that's fine, too. Or you just watch reruns of Gunsmoke. (laughs) Whatever. 
Like, not everybody has to get in that game. Or you just wait for the ghost of Dick Clark to appear in your living room. I could do that. <laughs> you know they had uh, anti-vaxxer Jenny McCarthy on with Ryan Seacrest? Oh, they do this every year with her. This is just... They do this every year with her. Why is it drives that? me don't, crazy. Don't normalize her. It drives me crazy. She's a nut. It drives me crazy. She's a total... She's totally insane. Uh, I don't know why they put her on. They put her... Isn't her boyfriend still Marky Mark? Not Marky Mark. Donnie. The Donnie. Donnie. Sorry. They're all the same to me. Marky and Donnie, they're all the same. Well, what are you What are you thinking about in there? What, do you think one is more talented than the other? Well, Mark's more talented. Jamie. He is racist. She's right. I mean, he's from Boston. Of course he's racist. Well, well, well. well. <laughs> Let's not go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, of course. Did you not know that? <laughs> they do a whole, anyway, they do this whole thing. Did Mariah Carey perform again? Yeah, she did well. Wait, did she? Yeah, and she didn't miss Jamie says she did well. Ray is shaking her head. No, she didn't do well? No, I didn't watch it, but she did, from what I understand, she didn't miss a beat. In 10 degree weather? Uh, apparently, like she performed, apparently she performed two songs that she wrote herself as well. Oh, that would be that would be worth I'm reading, watching. I'm reading gay Twitter's talking points, by the way. So <laughs> take take that for for what you will. You're really laying it on the line here for something you haven't seen. I don't know. I I'd be the thing is, I don't like Mariah Carey. I don't. I don't, I don't no. have anything to. Well, there's to nothing to like it. about Mariah no. Carey. No. Anyway, happy 2018. Uh, <laughs> the theme of today's show is we still live in hell. The New Year's Eve entertainment still sucks. Our president is still a big, dumb uh, baby. Uh, And and politicians, uh, even the good Republicans, still aren't going to save you. Great. We're off to a great start here. Happy 2018. When we come back, let's talk media news with media reporter for Axios, Sarah Fisher. Stay tuned. It's going great. I'm definitely earning the nickname Kush K, that's for sure. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Everybody knows what Kush is. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed, we are streaming live at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. By the way, uh, we appreciate all of you who are watching. And I know a lot of you see our link on Twitter or wherever where we're putting it out, the live link of the show, and we thank you for clicking on that. But when you do that, make sure you just go through that extra step and hit subscribe, subscribe when you get to our YouTube page. If you have a Google account or a Gmail account or anything like that, it'll automatically have you logged in. Just go right in, hit subscribe. That way you get to see all of our videos that we put up throughout the day and uh, you get little alerts about them. Uh as we put it up, by the way, you got something? A little Twitter comment. Oh, oh, let's do Twitter comments. Yeah, sure. Uh, Twitter comment from our friend Brent McDonald. So we talked a lot about weed in the last segment. Shout out to Lay Smith. off the damn weed. Uh, and uh, Brent McDonald weighing in. We, we made the, the uh, grandiose statement that weed is over, right? After CNN's... Uh, I'm just saying Big it could be over, in Colorado, yes. California now legal, legalizing recreational marijuana finally... Brett McDonald weighing in on Twitter. 
we still can't make jo- jokes about Bud in, excuse me, saying Indiana. Too many folks still going to prison in this state. Indiana figures making money from prop from from for-profit prisons is better than revenue from legislation. Indiana still debating CBD oil. So that's you a good point. You know, that's like, a good point. I saw someone tweet like, you know, yoga moms are gonna start normalizing weed and, um, you know, putting out vanity pillows. You know, don't touch my loud and. You got to remember that when white people smoke weed, it's uh, excuse me. When rich white people smoke weed, it's a lot less of a big deal yeah. to law enforcement yes. than when poor black people smoke weed. By the way, uh, it's an excellent point. I'm glad that it's now legal in California. I'm glad you can go buy legal weed in California. While we're at it, why don't we release? All of the black people who've been imprisoned in California for having like a gram of marijuana, a tiny bit of marijuana. And give them jobs yeah. growing marijuana. Sure. Like that then I'll say we're really onto something. Then I'll say, oh, we we've really actually made some progress here. Anyway, thank you for your comments. Thank you for uh reaching out at BP Show at BP Show. I'm on Twitter at Peter Ogburn. Um yeah, I broke I, – Jamie, I'm surprised you haven't given me more grief about this. I got back on Twitter. Yeah, I saw it. I'm not uh, – I still hate Twitter. Twitter is still bad. You I haven't think. tweeted yet today, have you? I did a retweet. I'm mostly I'm, I'm mostly laying low. I've, I tell you what, I've worked on my habit. I've, I've reprogrammed my brain. I'm like Alex Jones. I've reprogrammed my mm-hmm. brain to think about things totally differently. I don't think about Twitter the way I used to. So I'm not using it as much as I, as I used to. Um, <clears throat> well, it's time to talk to media reporter for Axios, Sarah Fisher, who's here. Hi, Sarah. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm well. By the way, it's freezing cold outside. It's 13 degrees outside. It's too cold. It's way too cold. It's too cold. As as uh, President Donald Trump <laughs> said on Twitter over the weekend, the East Coast, quote, could use a little bit of that good old global warming, end quote. That's great. That's great. Just a reminder, we... We still live in hell. He's still the president, and he still has his Twitter handle. Um, so I want to talk to you about a, a media story from over the break. We This is our first live show back since Christmas. Um, and and I sort of saw this brewing, and I just kind of wanted to get a, a couple of a, a, a thoughts out on this. Donald Trump gave an interview to the New York Times, and a lot of people were really sort of uh, – it was a polarizing interview, not for necessarily what Donald Trump said, but for how the New York Times put it out. There. It was with Michael Schmidt. Uh, it was an, a half-hour-long interview, and he didn't really make a lot of big news, but there were a lot of things that just sort of came spilling out of Donald Trump's mouth, which is how things usually get said in this administration. But there were some people who were very critical of the New York Times for saying that like they just sort of gave him a platform and put it out there. What's What are some of the criticisms that we're seeing around that? I think uh, one of the things that you're hearing is that they calculated uh, – I saw two different calculations. One was that Donald Trump said you know, 25 lies throughout the interview. The other is that he said 26. And I think the pushback is that if you know that the president is saying something that's false, wouldn't you push back at him and see how he reacts and see if he can – you know, demonstrate some facts about what he's saying. I think the way that Michael Schmidt, uh, I don't know if you saw his MSNBC interview, the way he said he handled it was Donald Trump was jumping from topic to topic really quickly. Mm. And he just wanted to make sure that he didn't 
stop the ball from rolling. Sure. Because every time he would say something new, he didn't know if it was going to be breaking news or not. And so we wanted to make sure that he didn't do or say anything in the interview that would cause Donald Trump to pump the brakes on the interview. Yeah. And I mean, it's the New York Times, so you do have to be careful in that situation. It's not Fox News. It's not an outlet that's typically favorable to the president. And so I can see why you want to proceed with a little bit of caution just so that you can get the most uh, feedback from the president about how he sees the world and how he sees his presidency going into the new year. Yeah, I have to say, like, I'm not so sure that a lot of the criticism was on point because... I think that there's so much reporting that used to be done based on like cultivating good sources and making sure that the relationships with those sources were were uh, well maintained and like I just kind of think that's out the window now. I mean, I, there's still a place for it, but there I, is. And if anyone can do that, who's demonstrated that is Michael Schmidt. I mean, yeah. he broke the Clinton email investigation story. He's broken a lot of huge stories around the Mueller investigation. I think he was using. I think, impeccable news judgment and understanding how can I get the most out of this presidency and how, or out of this president and what his thinking is. I think that was his sh- very deliberate strategy. And people who disagree with his strategy can disagree with it. There's sure. no problems with criticism. But I think that um, as a journalist, Michael Schmidt knows how to develop and cultivate sources and do that kind of reporting. And he chose not to in this instance so that he could get the most information possible. I, I just, I think that... <sighs> I'm a little torn on it because, like, I think that if Donald Trump says something that's a provable lie and you can prove it, like, you should probably say something. There were a few times where he's pushed back a little bit. Okay. There were times where they were talking about support with Democrats and Donald Trump kept saying, I have plenty of support with Democrats. I have, you know, support from Donald Feinstein and, or for Dianne Feinstein. And he did push back a little bit and say, like, you know, well, what it's about this not person? True. <laughs> it's not true. He never came out completely and said that. But, you know, he would say, like, what about this person? Or have you talked about this? Um, I I think, you know, you could think about it either way. He didn't push back enough or he did. Um, But at the end of the day, we now have, again, a little bit more insight into what Donald Trump's thinking. The one criticism, though, that I thought was interesting is that people say, well, isn't that what Twitter's for? Like, you know, you have that sort of window for the president's brain every single day, every single morning. Yeah. So it's a, it's a tough one. But Michael Schmidt's a great reporter. Sure, sure. No, no. I think so, too. And, and like, I'm not quite as critical as I've seen a lot of people be about this interview. I think that point about Twitter is is a valid point. Like, if I want to know the unfiltered thoughts of Donald Trump, like, there's no shortage of that. No. One thing that I will say that we've noticed is sometimes when you prompt him with something that he's not expecting, remember, Twitter is his own free will. So yeah, yeah, he yeah, is yeah, prompting yeah. himself. Yeah. But if you prompt him with something unexpected, sometimes he does come out and say some crazy things. One of the thoughts uh, that he kept repeating was there was no collusion, of course, but if there was collusion, it wouldn't be a crime. It's not that bad. It's not, <laughs> it wouldn't be a crime. You know, you said it, Alan Dershowitz, when he was talking about this point. And I actually think the sheer volume of the time, the number of times that he brings, keeps bringing up that point, lends itself to his, uh, gives you a window into his brain and his thinking, which is this is so top of mind, this talking point, that he will continue to go back to it, no matter basically what you're asking him. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And I also think that when he was asked about Robert Mueller... One of his quotes was, quote, it doesn't bother me because I hope that he's going to be fair. I think he is going to be fair. There's been no collusion, but I think he's going to be fair. So it's like it's a very Trumpy style of just like repeating the same thing over and over again. And maybe it'll become true. But I'm not sure that he actually believes that, that he that he thinks that Robert Mueller is going to be fair, because in his eyes, fair means he's going to exonerate him altogether. 
I agree with that. I think that there's a sense, though, with the president and some aides around him that say, you know, you need to treat your criticisms of the DOJ uh, very carefully because, you know, uh, your intentions there, as we saw with things that he had tweeted early in this year, could give uh, the DOJ more premise to say that there is uh, collusion or there is some sort of, uh, you know, attempt to cover something up if you're getting rid of Robert Mueller or you're dismissing him. So I think his language softening shows um, some sort of discipline coming out of him now, quite frankly, to protect himself. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I want to switch gears. I want to ask you about something that you had uh, in this morning's uh, political, or uh, excuse me, the, the Axios Media Trends newsletter that you do. Uh, this is about ad agencies in 2017. This is something that like is a little bit of inside baseball. But if you if you follow politics, you know that like a lot of what we do, a lot of what MSNBC does, Fox News, like they're gonna get that money. They're gonna they're gonna get they're gonna get money in the door to keep to keep the lights on. Yes. So how did ad agencies do in 2017? It was a brutal year for some ad agencies and some of the holding companies. I'm actually shocked by this. Are you? Yeah, a little bit. So, so let me sort of walk it back. Okay. Um, you know, there are two uh, internet advertising companies tech companies that completely dominate the advertising landscape. Okay. Collectively, they're called the duopoly. Okay. And they are Google and Facebook. Yes. Google and Facebook are expected to earn 90% roughly of every new ad dollar this year. Why is that? Well, they're very efficient advertising properties. You can buy ads at a really low rate, and they're targeted pretty well. I mean, how many times have you gone on Instagram and seen something that you just Googled that you were looking for? Yes. So It follows you around everywhere. Everywhere. So the problem that ad agencies are having is that we used to have traditional media that had really fat margins. It was really lucrative, quite frankly, print, linear television, even radio. And now with the you know upspring of digital, and digital is everything, right? There's digital oh, TV, yeah. there's digital radio, there's sure. digital <laughs> articles. Um, the margins have decreased. And so publishers are really struggling to monetize, but also the ad agencies are struggling too. And so the the point of that article, we basically showed how um, you know, stocks and earnings for a lot of the major ad holding companies like WPP and Publicis, um, they're just crumbling right now because they're sort of dealing with the same digital reckoning as publishers are. God. That's kind of terrifying. It is. And I mean, there's a lot, uh, there's a big drum of support um, to try to sort of even out the ecosystem and pull some of that money back to publishers. One of the big trends that we saw in 2017, and I think will continue into 2018, is that publishers have sort of thrown their hands in the air and said, you know what, we're not going to make that kind of ad money anymore. So we're going to focus on subscriptions. If you were to look at the New York Times, the New York Times was, um, you know, not so long ago, mostly advertising-based. Now that's completely flipped. They are now the majority of their Wait, revenue. Wait, is that right? Yes. The majority of the revenue from the New York Times now comes from subscriptions. And you're seeing a huge push by a lot of publishers to get behind paywalls. Look at Business Insider just launched a paywall. Wire just launched a paywall. The Atlantic just launched like a membership paywall. This is the new revenue stream because advertising is so hard to compete in because Google and Facebook just dominate it. Yeah, I mean, I saw some of that ha- start to happen a little bit last year. And I'm like... I'm a little more old school in that, like, I still think that advertising is king, but, like, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I mean, it, uh, you know, for a lot in of... Fact, in fact, clearly I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, for a lot of companies, advertising is still a huge revenue source. But for a lot of sure. companies, it's not. It's a little a balance between, you know, live events and subscriptions. And, you know, I've made lists of that this before. 
media companies make money in such crazy ways. I mean, they make money these days off of commerce. BuzzFeed makes a ton of money off of commerce. Tasty, which is owned by BuzzFeed's that sort of viral food um, video uh, site, they're selling kitchen equipment. I mean, this is the new trend where you're selling things on your site for money. And the other big one that's interesting is, quite frankly, just access. You saw the New York Times earlier this year was selling a cruise uh, or sorry, a flight around the world for $135,000. And then six of their editors Excuse are going me. to be, yeah, are on the flight um, and traveling with you. And so that's an example of which you're selling access. The New York Times has also sold tickets to like election night coverage, you know, where they have Dean Bacay, their executive editor, attending. And it's not just them. I mean, there's a bunch of right wing sites that do these like wine sales. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and cruises. I've seen the cruises before. Yeah. So, I mean, selling Ooh, access to your reporters is another revenue stream. Um, and I would just, con- you know, expect these types of new revenue streams to continue as the advertising marketplace becomes so tilted towards Google and Facebook. Jamie, let's start working on the Bill Press cruise right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope I get an invite to that. Yeah, one. right? That'll be, that'll be a good one. As long as it happens soon so that we can get out of this weather here in D.C. Yes. Go somewhere sunny. Um, what On that note, and I know we're nerding out here a little mm-hmm. bit about this stuff, but like you also have a thing about live ads yeah. are now a thing. I had never really seen live ads. I think the Super Bowl of last year, there was some... There was a live ad that happened there, but now we're, we're seeing more of them. Yeah, we are seeing more of them. I mean, they're a very, very complicated execution. Sure, yeah, yeah, ad. yeah. And the reason why brands are kind of flocking to these really high-end, expensive executions is because in the wake of having the Google and Facebooks of the world where there's so much brand safety problems, like your ad could appear next to fake news or yeah. you know, like illegal content, what you want is you want to make sure that you are also running ads that have really high consumer value, high impact. Someone will walk away and remember it forever. And so they're starting a lot of different agencies and also clients like actual advertisers are starting to think about what's like a huge high impact execution that people remember forever. And live ads are something people usually would remember for a long time. Well, it's so funny because like, you know, it's talking about the Super Bowl, right? Like every president usually does a big Super Bowl interview. Why do they do a big Super Bowl interview? Because it's one of the few things that we as Americans no longer record and watch later right that's right or like watch it streaming and then we can skip ads or like you have to watch the ads yes if you want to watch it live you want to be a part of it you have to watch the ads. this is a huge trend news and sports are becoming two of the only topics that people are watching live anything yeah. entertainment is yeah. going on demand to netflix or hulu or amazon prime and so um you know when it comes to doing live ads and things like that you're going to see that they're going to be typically on like a news program or a major event like a Super Bowl or New Year's Eve or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so as we enter a new year, yes. 2018, I want to look back briefly at 2017. Um, fake news. Oh goodness. <laughs> we started fake. We started 2017 where <clears throat> fake news meant one thing, and we end it where it meant something completely different. Totally became a loaded term. Right. Yeah. I mean. Where are we now with sort of the state of fake news? Because I, I think, like, it first entered most people's consciousness around, like, the um, the, the Pizzagate yes. stuff, right? Like, this is a fake news story that someone believed and went and shot it up. But then it got completely co-opted by Donald Trump and, and other people to just sort of admit 
something they didn't like. Totally. My bosses, uh, Jim Vanaheim, Mike Allen, and myself wrote a piece about this, how fake news has become like a global political weapon. And it's used by despots all over the world to just sort of condemn any reporting or news that they don't like, not necessarily that's not true. One of the big turning points that I've seen with fake news is that for a long time, big tech companies like the Googles and Facebooks and Twitters of the world defined fake news as really anything that was like spam or clickbait. Okay. Because that's something you can actually get in trouble for with the FTC. We don't, like, again, we don't really have strong internet libel laws. So who is responsible for taking down fake news? Well, it should be the tech companies, right? But they don't have any legal incentive to take right. it down. Right, sure, sure. They only have legal incentive to take down things that are like clickbait. The big shift that I've seen in the past year is they're now starting to actually take content and the value of that content into a little bit more consideration. Look at Twitter. Twitter just purged a bunch of right-wing accounts. Some people are crying foul and saying, well, you're using editorial judgment to say that I don't deserve a verification or an account. It's the first time Twitter's actually kind of using that judgment to do some censoring. It's about time, frankly. I mean, it depends. You know, there's so many different perspectives on like, you know, to what extent do you censor people on your platform? This has been a huge, and it's interesting with Iran happening right now. Yeah, yeah, This has been a huge... Um, problem for these tech companies because these are global companies. 88% of Facebook's users are outside of the U.S. And if you think about where they have footholds around the world, it's, you know, sort of uh, up-and-coming countries where a lot of people, this is their first time where they have a voice. People credit Google and Facebook for giving people access to, you know, speak out during the Arab Spring. And so if you censor too much, the worry that these companies have is you're not giving some people voices. Now, if you censor too little, you have a fake news problem. And that's yeah. what we have in the U.S. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you know they should or shouldn't do any one thing or another. Of course, I think false news and information is a big problem in the U.S. But we have no legal basis or incentive for these companies to weed it out. And they don't have any business incentive to weed right. it out. Right. That, that, that's the thing. I mean, this has gone on for a long time. I and mean, we just recently sort of grabbed onto this whole fake news fever, right? But, like, this is not new. No, it's not new. And I think what's interesting is a lot of people figured out how to game the system. That's why a lot of these companies, too, they're going after some of the economic incentives to create fake news because fake news, hyper-partisan stuff, creates a ton of engagement on Facebook. So people are realizing, okay. Great. uh, Yeah, but you hear about these troll farms, right, in, like, Florida. They're not just making you know, right-wing content, it's the same shop making right and left. And they do it because you can get clicks and you can make money. So what Google and Facebook and a few others are doing is they're saying, we're going to remove the economic incentives. We're going to make it harder for you to make money. Maybe we remove your advertising privileges if we see that you're putting out spammy stuff. But at the end of the day, that does not address blatantly false or lies, you know, false content or lies. And quite frankly, I don't know that these tech companies will ever crack down on that because, like I said, there's no legal or business incentive to do it. No, that's the thing. Like, as I'm watching specifically Twitter and Facebook has said some stuff about it, but like Facebook, or or, excuse me, Twitter getting rid of some people and and all that, like, it's taken them this long to figure out anything. Not even a solution, but just like some action. It's taken them this long to feel the incentive to do it. They could have, my perspective is that these tech companies are pretty sophisticated. They could have been putting, you know, more stop guards in place for a sure. long time, but I don't think they realized that there was they needed to do it up yeah. until now because and you're hearing we report about this a lot at Axios. There's this global backlash against tech right now. I mean, think about things like the Equifax breach and the Yahoo breach and, you know, the WannaCry cyber attack. People are starting to think, wow, am I safe online? Is my data safe? Is my privacy safe? And as all those issues come about, 
these tech darlings that we, you know, sort of glorified as being a source of democratized information are suddenly being viewed as being a little bit dangerous to our society. Yeah. So these companies now are starting to think more heavily about it because they don't want to be regulated. They don't want anyone exactly. to come at them. So that's sort of the state of play when it comes to these companies. But it has a huge implications, not just for tech and media, but for politics and for you know social welfare. The way that people access information changes the way that people live. So it's starting to become a much bigger conversation. By the way, on that on that comment about the Equifax data breach, mm-hmm. there's a great piece on uh, Politico.com uh, where they said that basically nothing has happened. 145 million Americans had their data breach. Congress has done nothing. Yep. Nobody's done anything. Yeah. So this has been what it's funny. Uh, Aaron Ross Sorkin, uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin, uh, asked our editor about this today. He said, "Like, will Congress do anything?" And the answer is probably not. No, of course not. No, of course not. She is Sarah Fisher, media reporter for Axios. Read her good work at Axios.com and follow her at Sarah No H Fisher with an H uh, on Twitter. Do it, folks. We'll be right back with Emma Roller from Splinter News. Stay tuned. This is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Happy Tuesday, January 2nd. It is the first Bill Press Show of the new year. If you're just now waking up, we still live in hell. I mean, we are in a new year, but everything is still pretty terrible. Uh, I'm your host, Peter Ogburn, for today. For the hour, I am lucky enough to have uh, our friend from Splinter News, Emma Roller. Thank you for being a friend, Peter. Thank you for being a friend. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, did you have any exciting New Year plans? Uh, I just spent the my New Year's Eve at a friend's house dancing the night away. Oh, fun. Yeah, it was fun. I was in How bed by 9.30. Well, yeah. 9.30. Did, did the kids stay up until midnight? They did, actually. <laughs> I did not. I was like, see y'all later. I'm I going feel, to bed. I feel like at some point in a parent's life, the dynamic switches. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I'm just, I've never been a big New Year's Eve guy. I'm not a yeah. big New Year's Eve guy. I think it's... The ball drops, whatever. But your, your plan, going to a friend's house, that's the move. It was going extremely to a, cold. Sure. All over the country on New Year's. I saw... Women and I don't, I don't judge them for it. But I saw them wear like wearing you know these short dresses with no tights or anything, and like stilettos walking out on the ice. And I'm like, ugh. You're yeah, gonna, you're it's a bad fall. idea, purely out of practical, like practical purposes. Like yeah. that is just not a good idea because you will be cold. You will be cold. You will maybe. Uh, roll your ankle and, and fall into a snowbank, which is 100% what I would do if I were in that getup. Yeah, I, I woke up in Maine on New Year's Eve and it was negative 10 when I woke up. But when Ooh. I got to the airport, there was an old man in shorts. <laughs> 
That's Maine for you. I that feel is. Like Wisconsin's similar. As soon as it hits like above freezing temperatures, people just go out in shorts. Yeah. Like, why not? Anyway, we've got lots to talk about. We're going to get into it here in just a moment. But first, Jamie Benson is the headlines. Full court press. Just a couple of other stories for you on this Tuesday morning. I know you've all been waiting for it. Former President Barack Obama's top books and songs of the year. I can't can't read it right. Oh, I guess none of this will apply to you. Do you. Can you hear? Can you hear me? I can hear. All right. Then maybe you listen to some music from time to time. Here are some of the books that headlined Barack Obama's top 2017 list. The Power by Naomi Alderman. Okay. That book is about a dystopian world where women can emit deadly electrical jolts. Sounds, Excuse me? Sounds sunny. <laughs> that is a book I'd like to read. Huh. <laughs> Exit West by Bosin Hamid. <laughs> Shortlisted, shortlisted for the Booker Prize and tells the story of refugees transported you, from their war-torn country wait, wait, through wait. magical portals. Women can't shoot electrical bolts out of their bodies already? <laughs> I, guess, I guess we live in a dystopian world now. Uh, other books include Coach Wooden and Me by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Basketball and Other Things by Shay Serrano, who, if you don't follow wow. on Twitter, All right. wow, big get for yeah. do it immediately. Shay was uh, very pleased to see that. Uh, let's look at the musical selection from Barack Obama's 2017 list. Oh, Harry God. Styles, Sign of the Times. Andre Day, Rise Up. U2, Ordinary Love. Oh, Family Feud. Dad choices. Sorry. I know. Here, here's the rap ones, all right? Family Feud by Jay-Z and Beyonce. Rap. Humble by Kendrick Lamar. A Chanel by Frank Ocean. Butterfly Effect by Travis Scott. And Broken Clocks by SZA. Not bad. Not great either. No, okay. not great. SZA's album is the best. It's album very of 2017. good. No, no, it's very good. But like, but literally everything on that list is dad rock. What else do you expect? I have not listened to Jay Z's latest album. Dad rock. What 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 would be on Trump's list? What I mean, what does he listen to? He plays like weird, like at, at his at his campaign rallies. He used to have oh, all, Third Eye Blind, right, or Three Doors Down. Three Doors Down played at the inauguration. Yeah. Hey, I want to. Then he, had, he played, like, show Kid, tunes. Kid Rock. Oh, yeah. He played, like, Phantom of yeah. the Opera. He loves Broadway. I want to quickly get this in. We talked about Alabama winning the Sugar Bowl yesterday. Roll An time. Alabama fan was uh, outside the Superdome in New Orleans when her RV caught fire. Oh. New Orleans uh, came out came to put the uh, fire out. Fox 8 got an on-the-record statement from her. She just said, Roll Tide. Damn right. <laughs> On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show, January 2nd, first show of 2018. I am your host, Peter Ogburn, in for the day, along with senior reporter from Splinter News, Emma Roller. Hello, Emma. Hello, Peter. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for coming in and joining us. Uh, For those of you who didn't get to hear the, the, the beginning of the show, remember the whole show is up and podcast form. Just look for the Bill Price Show in iTunes or anywhere that you uh, that you, that you get your podcasts. Two different Alabama stories in both hours with the full court press. Thanks to Jamie Benson. Yes, Alabama Crimson Tide are going to play for the national championship uh, next week. I'm pretty excited about that, Jamie. Emma, does that mean anything to you? I know that Alabama is playing. Yes, Georgia. 
It's no, the fir- they were they oh, were playing sorry. Clemson or, last sorry. night. They will be playing. They will Georgia be playing Georgia, yes. and it's the first time in a long time that two SEC teams yes. are playing each other. Yes. Yes. Okay. And you know why you know that, uh, Emma? Because Sarah Huckabee Sanders tweeted yesterday: I'm SEC, so SEC. I'm so about this. You and Sarah, Peter, you I'm should watch so the game together. She's this. back in town, probably. I did not see that. I'm excited that there are two SEC teams playing for a national championship, and so is Sarah Huckabee Sanders, which makes me really want to like not watch college football. I feel like maybe they should have you guys be like cheerleaders on opposite <laughs> sides and like have some sort of like cheerleader off. I don't know, like a bring it on style competition between you this is, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. First of all, I would win. Uh, but this is the thing, like this is the, like the, I have a similar problem with Ted Cruz. Like when people who I think are awful like things that I enjoy. What, do you, I, what is Ted Cruz like? The Simpsons. He loves The oh, Simpsons. Yeah. And I'm like, was The Simpsons ever good, actually? <laughs> like, I grew up on The Simpsons. I still watch The Simpsons with remember, my kids. Do you remember I, how cringeworthy that video was? Oh, it was horrible, where he tried to impersonate oh, all the Simpsons characters. Yeah. And was like, that like an IJR video or something? Anyway, I'm sure it yeah. was. Yeah. Or he likes The Princess Bride. I'm like, The Princess Bride is, is good. Then I'm like, no, maybe, maybe it's not. Because Ted Cruz like, likes it. It's so interesting, because I think I love The Princess Bride. I love The Simpsons. Sure. Um... I work for Splinter yes. now. Oh my no, don't. The house. <laughs> Excellent. No. Hey, ho, neighbor. No. Oakley dokley, neighborino. No. Dad, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat animals. But Lisa, animals are so delicious. There's the animal we get bacon from, the animal we get ham from, the animal we get sausage from. Dad, that's all the same animal. He's really bad at Homer. Oh, my Mr. Burns is fine because it's, like, closer to his actual yeah, 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 yeah. personality. He's got a lot of inspirado there. But everything else is just awful. I I had, like, a visceral reaction when that came on. I, like, Same. Whipped, whipped my head around it, Jamie. I was like, I, I hate The Simpsons now. Love The Simpsons my whole How life. How did we get here? Lo- yeah, who knows? Love The Simpsons for, oh, since I was uh, six years SEC, old. SEC, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Right. So now I hate SEC football. Loved it my whole life. Now I hate it because Sarah Huckabee Sanders likes it. Do you think her brother was allowed to be around dogs this Christmas? <laughs> Which brother was it that allegedly? It was one of his dog? large sons. Uh, killed a dog. Yeah, Ugh. I I find that like more low key tragic than than funny. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's I, also funny. I do think it's funny in the sense that if you mention it to Mike Huckabee on Twitter, he'll block you. Oh, yeah. Like, and that he oh, knows. Oh, I need to try that. He, yeah, you should. <laughs> he knows that, like. He knows it's a thing. It's a thing. Okay. Which that, that I find is fun. funny. That, makes that it I funnier. find funny. But, like, killing a dog, not funny. The position of the Bill Press show, killing, killing dogs, dogs, not funny. Not okay. <laughs> it's also funny that if you call out Mike Huckabee's uh, tweet. Ghostwriter on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't even have to call him out by name. He will tweet back at you. Yeah, which means that guy searches tweets. He searches his own like, for ghostwritten Mike Huckabee. He tweets. ghostwrites his tweets. Yeah, he's got a guy. He's got a joke guy. Oh, See, the guy's got a ridiculous name too. It's like That's... Skipper McGee or something. Oh my god, that makes me so depressed for more than any other news I've heard in 2018 so far. I know. <laughs> Mike Huckabee has a joke ghostwriter for his terrible jokes. Anyway. Yeah. There's a theme to today's show. 2018, not going to be much better. Not going to be much better. I mean, 2017, like, I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to come and be like, oh, 2017, what a terrible year, even though it was a terrible year. Yeah. Like, we we kind of, this is the hell we live in now. 
I think that 2018 is going to bring us new and refreshing ways in which this country is terrible. <laughs> Gosh, I like your I like your sort of optimistic spin on that. Which is a good segue into <laughs> We this. will continue yeah. to innovate <laughs> in ways ha- to be horrible. Hashtag disrupt. <laughs> disrupt democracy. We're going to disrupt hell. Mm-hmm. We're already living in hell. It's going to get worse. Can we get VC funding for hell? <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask you about your piece, which you have on splinternews.com. All the good things that happened in 2017... I will say there are a couple of highlights in here. I'm just going to go down the list. The Women's March, absolutely a highlight. For sure. I think that was absolutely a highlight. Um, the the Muslim uh, travel ban, mm-hmm. how everybody just sort of like went to the airports. I think that was- That a, was remarkable. That was like the single moment of, of people you know, showing up that for me was the most surprising in a good way of like, wow, people are actually- they're not just posting about it on Facebook and Twitter. People are actually showing up en masse at airports to protest the travel ban. Well, it was so interesting to me. And I, I didn't I forgot just because of the year that we had, but I forgot that like the women's march was January twenty first. And then this travel ban thing, people were showing up at the airports. Literally it was a week later. Yeah, and it was like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I completely forgot how closely that how, how closely it's, those two things happened. It's crazy looking back at that list and realize so much was concentrated between like January 20th and, you know, the, those two months, so much happened. But it makes sense because, you know, like the Women's March, there was so much goodwill and mm-hmm. there was so many good, like, we can do this feeling. Mm-hmm. And did it you just, go? I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I took I took Magnus, my youngest son. Uh, and we went, and there was all this good, like, we can do this, we can mm-hmm. make it through, and mm-hmm. then we had this travel ban thing, and everybody showed up at the airports, mm-hmm. it was wonderful, it was cool, and then it just sort of, like... The momentum kind of crumbled. Dissipated, yeah. yeah. Then there was sort of the, we were left with the sinking feeling of, like, oh, this is just going to keep happening. Yeah, yeah, like, it's 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 interesting in your piece. It's like, January 29th, the Muslim travel ban... February, Moonlight wins Best Picture. Good call. Uh, June 13th, Beyonce gives birth to twins. Then we get all the way to August yeah. for the eclipse, which was like a highlight. There were I tried to find good things that happened this year and highlight them. And it was really hard to find things between like February and August it was of 2017. It was pretty it bleak, was bleak. For, for a long stretch. Oh, God. Um, Martin Shkreli goes to jail. Yes. Definitely a highlight. It, it's ironic because I think the last time I was on this show, I was like argue, arguing about prison abolition with Bill. Yeah, that's right. And now I put, you know, obviously there I have mixed feelings on this, but I think sure. we can all celebrate Martin Shkreli going to jail because he's a real POS. Yeah. Like abolishing the prisons, probably not a terrible idea. Yeah. Martin Shkreli in prison? Also, probably not a terrible idea. I'm okay with both of those. I know that's like a <laughs> weird some cognitive dissonance there, yeah. but yes, yeah, yes, that's fine. Um, the Juggalos march on DC, which was amazing. Yes, like the I was Juggalos, there. I'm actually okay with. The Juggalos are comrades. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my statement on the matter. I went to this and. I was going to cover it. My my colleague at Splinter, uh, Molly Osberg, wrote, wrote a really good piece about the Juggalo March uh, back when it happened in September. And I got down to the mall 
raring to go to cover some juggalos and I ran into this alt-right rally that was also happening on the mall that day and it it honestly just bummed me out so much that I had to go home. Oh my god. Oh my god. It was it was not a strong day for my reporting tenacity. <laughs> but then I also I but I think what really bummed me out is I saw this juggalo woman, a, a juggalette, juggalette if you will, yes. if you will, getting in a fight with like a Trump bro from the alt-right rally and I think he had like knocked off a hat she was wearing or she had knocked off his hat uh, and the police had to be involved and she was crying and the guy had was like denying doing anything. Um, and it was just like really bleak to witness these two young people. That's America. That was it was that like, is that is America. It w- did feel like that. Like, wow, this is really American politics in a nutshell is like. A crying juggalette with eyeliner streaming down her face and this, you know, white Trump bro with a MAGA hat on yelling at each other and police just kind of like looking on. It was. I think that's 2017. That's America. Yeah, I think you nailed it, sister. (laughs) I think that's it. Uh, The Star Wars The Last Jedi is released in theaters. Did we see it? Oh, yeah. How did we feel about it? I saw it twice. So... At first, I really wanted to jump on the bandwagon, and I was so excited for my girl Ray. I love Ray yes. so much, and I feel so proud for her. I think this is something some some other people have said, but I just feel so emotionally invested in her character development and becoming a Jedi and all that. And then there was no freaking like montage scene. It was, I mean, sorry, spoiler alert. No, we can spoil it. It's okay. okay. Everyone's seen it's it. It's been by out now. for a oh, while. Jamie's got his hands over his ears. He hasn't seen it yet. Spoiler alert. There, I mean, Luke. Does some he imparts some lessons to Ray, but sure. I think the the cheesy nostalgic uh, person inside me really wanted there to be some like intense uh, Karate Kid montage yeah, yeah, on yeah. the cliffs of yeah. the island, which didn't happen. But it's I fine. I uh, I sort of someone tweeted at me; they were mad at me because I said earlier I I I think Star Wars is bad now. Wow. Yeah. Okay, expound on that. I thought the movie sucked. Oh my gosh. And I thought that The Force Awakens also sucked. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I see I loved The Force Awakens. I feel like this had kind of second movie in a trilogy problems that you probably saw in the like in the original Star Wars series. You know why I don't like it? It's like because you hate women, is that why, Peter? Yeah. First of all, I despise you, women. You hate and that like, we send electric volts from you, our hands. First of all, you you scare me with your electric <laughs> volts, uh, and 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 I'm a notorious woman hater. Sure. The only reason that he booked three women for today's show is because so they can yell at them. Yeah. yeah so they can so yell, they can yell at, them. at them. Typical Bernie bro behavior. Yeah. I can't wait to yell at our next guest. We have three women on the show today. All of them are going to scream at them. <laughs> <laughs> the abuse that I've experienced on this show. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? We're very after. I got now. lost in my uh, hatred of women. I forgot what I was going to uh, say. You <laughs> oh, no, why why like I hate it? it. Yeah. You know what? It's like Star Wars to me now is just like, hey, here are all these great things that you love from your childhood. We're going to take them completely out of context and make you not like them. Like, even, like it even goes to the prequels, mm-hmm. when it's like, hey, Darth Vader is awesome. Everybody loves Darth Vader. Like, he's such a cool, classic movie villain, such a bad guy. How cool. We're going to bring Darth Vader back, and you're going to have Darth Vader in these prequels, except here's the thing. He's going to be a little kid. It's like, oh, that sucks. Like, it's a little kid who likes kid actors. And then it's like, oh, Luke Skywalker is, like, the cool guy every kid wanted to be. And, like, 
that's going to be so awesome and we're going to bring him back. Except now he hates the forest and he's a grizzled old grumpy man. So grumpy. And I, I saw like, someone tweet the other day that the Phantom Menace, episode one, yeah. had the best lightsaber scenes. And that Darth Maul was not fully appreciated uh, in his time. Appreciated or developed enough. Darth Maul is a better bad guy than Which Kylo Which kind of ties into what you're talking about because Darth Maul was a new character. He was a new character. I will say we're going to we're going to piss off so many people here today just going on this on our Star Wars jazz. Folks. Folks. But like I'll give the prequels this. At least they tried to create new stories with new characters and didn't rely on old nostalgia. The, the prequels Force were... Awakens has new characters. Very few. But it's all about Han Solo. It's true. It's, it's all about. Are you saying you like Jar Jar Binks more than? No, no. I'm saying they went wrong. Finn and Ray. But at least they tried to. <laughs> Finn and Ray are cool. But like they also like the Finn st- the Finn plotline in the Je- in the Last Jedi. Total waste. Who cares? Like he's a good character and he was completely irrelevant to yeah, the movie. Yeah, I agree. I feel like that. I feel like they could have developed. The character of Rose, who's um, a really funny actor. Yes! Um, they could have developed her character a lot more. And also, I didn't like... Okay, again, spoiler, spoiler alert. Okay. They go to the casino planet. and Total waste of time. Yeah. and the, then You could literally have cut their whole, the whole storyline out. Wouldn't have missed a, a beat. The Benicio Del Toro character, like, why? Why is he... Why was he there? Wouldn't have missed a beat. Yeah, anyway. Benicio Del Toro's in Star Wars, huh? Yeah. No, you knew that though. That was reported. That wasn't. Like- I didn't know that. I knew about Laura Dern. I didn't know about. Uh, yeah. Laura by the Dern. way, Laura Dern, good in the movie. By the way, the one news cycle this past week because I was a little slow to pick up on some things. I t- took time off Twitter. He's sick again. Yeah. This guy. The one news cycle that I was like genuinely upset that I was three or four days late to. Laura Dern and former NBA player Baron, Baron Davis, Davis? Yeah. Are dating. What is this? Did you I'm see the picture of them making out? Totally. Look like genuine love. I'm here for it. This is something I know about because wait, really? My fiance is a big NBA fan. Um, I don't know who the basketball player is, but I saw the photos and they are very adorable. I'm here for it. It brought me a lot of joy. Yeah, and I was like, I wish I had gotten this joy four days ago. I am upset that I was <laughs> late to this joy. <laughs> Good for the two of them. I wonder how they met. I don't know. I have Sometimes no idea. Sometimes I think there's just like. Uh, famous people like circuit. Yeah, or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They all, they all need. They all Baron like... Davis tries to make movies. He's a former NBA player who, oh. who likes movies. Oh, does, I didn't know that. About Him Baron. and Steve Nash share a passion for filmmaking. So I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's good to know. Um, by the way, the other thing that I missed out on. Uh, speaking of things I missed out on over the break, I missed out on a lot because I sort of unplugged a little bit. But it's freezing cold here. Did you see Trump went on Twitter? To say that, quote, we could use some of that good old global warming. Oh, yeah. Like, completing his, or sealing his position as, like, a Fox News grandpa. Like, my dad says this to me every time mm-hmm. I see him. Or every time we talk on the phone, he's like, how's the weather? Uh, it's cold out here. I bet you wish you had some of that global warming now. Yeah, Dad. I mean, ugh. By your own logic. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. It's just like... It's not going to get better this year. Better or worse than when Louis Gohmert brought a snowball to the House floor? That's the was worst it, thing ever. Was it Louis Gohmert? No, it was. It wasn't Louis Gohmert. It was the guy oh, Jim, from Tom Coburn. Inhofe. Inhofe. Oh, it was That's Jim right. Inhofe. Inhofe. That's yes. who it was. It was Jim Inhofe. Yes. Who was like a notorious climate denier. Mm-hmm. Brought a snowball. 
And, and by the way, he brought a snowball when it was like February, when it's supposed to snow. And he's like, look at this. I got a snowball here. Like this. Well, yeah, it's. It's winter time. Of course, mm-hmm. there's snow. I, I got them mixed up. Louis Gomer is the one that cooks ribs on the balcony of his office. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Is that That's true? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. I can't hate you, that. You can't. Yeah. I, I can hate him for a lot of things. I can't hate him for that. Slight that. contributor to global warming. <laughs> by extension. I mean. <laughs> If that's what who among us has not cooked ribs on the balcony of our congressional office? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let let us without the first set cast the first stone, right? Like I, I I cook ribs up on the balcony here, Jamie. He got into a fight with a Capitol architect a couple of months ago. Okay. Texas Rep. Louis Gohmert, I'm reading from a USA Today story. Texas Rep. Louis Gohmert raked the Capitol architect over the coals Friday for the <sighs> seven-year ban he has been forced to swallow on him cooking ribs on his office balcony. We literally live in, like, the clickhole universe. Right. Honestly, like, I, I would not believe that headline. If so, I would, I would call it, you know what I would call it? Fake news. The architect decided that Gohmert's balcony barbecues constituted a safety hazard, and the congressman who says his rib cooking had become a ritual every quarter, <laughs> has had a bone to pick ever since. Oh, uh, that's good punning. Good job, USA Today. Oh, man. I just love that that's who we are as, like... This is who we are, yeah. The body politic now. Mm-hmm. We're getting fights with mm-hmm. architects over not whether whether we could cook ribs on our, our balconies. The story ends on a happy note. Oh, good. Gohmert em- emerged the victor in the culinary conflict, as oh. House Speaker Paul Ryan and other Republican colleagues were after some grilling, able to, quote, persuade the bureaucracies here on Capitol Hill that we can make this work and have it safe if we work with each other. I mean, I actually endorse that. That is the most positive net benefit Paul Ryan has ever had in his entire political career (laughs) is allowing Louis Gohmert to grill ribs on his balcony. That is the most human good Paul Ryan has enacted in his whole career. We were having this conversation earlier about how like Trump showing up to Mar-a-Lago on New Year's Eve literally if any other president had done that it would have been tacky and way out of line Mm -hmm. and, and inappropriate but I've found myself more and more, especially at the end of last year and as we move into this year, this behavior behind of where I just get completely out of my mind angry at Trump because it's not healthy. It's not. Well, first of all, it's not healthy. Yeah. But it, but it's also just like this is who Trump is. Like, I, I don't think Trump is necessarily this like evil guy who wants to push this white nationalist agenda forward. Like he's I just a don't... Fo- he's a Fox News grandpa. Like he's a Fox said. News grandpa. He's a Fox News grandpa. And the people I'm really going to get mad at are the people like Paul Ryan mm. and Nikki Haley mm. and all these people who act like they're above the fray, mm-hmm. but in the reality, they're the ones who are like Implementing operating him. the agenda. Yeah. Right. Like letting this happen. Like Marco Rubio. Right. Like if... If Donald Trump had the choice to just watch TV in his bathrobe all day and, like, fly down to Mar-a-Lago to play golf every week, which, by the way, is pretty much how he's already operating. Pretty much. And, like, they bring him in to sign bills and then send him on his merry way yeah. again. Um, I think he'd – that would be his – he would be living his best life. Yeah. Um, He doesn't care about really accomplishing – this policy agenda, no matter how much he says he does. He just wants to be thought of as a winner. Yeah. I saw an interesting piece earlier last year 
where uh, somebody said, once you realize that Trump doesn't actually want to be president, he just wants to be the press secretary, <laughs> that like everything changes. Like the way that you view the presidency totally changes. Like he does want to just be the press secretary. He wants to be the face of the White House out there, but like not the actual He wants actual to be work. a figurehead. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't think he'd want to be press secretary because you get too much crap from reporters to Fair. be press secretary. Fair. Yeah. I he doesn't think like right. to answer questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's he's like Neil Diamond. If Neil Diamond were president, <laughs> he hangs out at Mar-a-Lago. He like rubs elbows with his rich friends. Yeah. He goes golfing. He's like Neil Diamond crossed with a Fox News grandpa. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really very accurate. No, he's more no, of a Wayne Newton. No shade to Neil Diamond, who has yeah, an amazing I legacy. No, I, no, I won't let that happen on this show. Wayne Newton's an actual Trump fan. I, I don't know if Neil Diamond's okay, a Trump Okay, that's a better fan. that's a better comparison. Thank you. Wait, we keep it for Neil Diamond out here all of a sudden. Yes, sweet Caroline. Ooh, that's right. Mm. It, it, it's a, it's a Boston Red Sox thing. They, they is it? They, they sing oh. that, that terrible song. It's also a UW uh, Wisconsin Badgers thing. Yeah, something in common, Emma. Look at that. Yeah, and I also find that song incredibly annoying because of it's that. a bad song. <laughs> I mean, it is a bad song. But he has good songs, right? Neil Diamond? Cracklin' Rosie, I like. I don't know that I one. do like crack. Oh, Cracklin' Rosie, get on board. <laughs> Is this karaoke hour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to karaoke. Let's do it. You don't like Sweet Caroline, Jamie, do you? I don't love it, but if I've uh, had a couple drinks, I get into it. Mm. Ba, ba, <laughs> look, look at this. <laughs> Uh, Emma, I want to ask you about this story because this is one of those stories that we would come back from vacation and completely miss. Yes. Uh, that you wrote on splinternews.com. Uh, Trump fired the White House's entire HIV AIDS council with no explanation. What? Excuse me? Yes. How did that so, happen? So this, um, conveniently, this is news that broke last week. Uh, you know, the the notoriously high-energy week between oh, yeah. Christmas and New Year's. Oh, yeah. Everyone loves when watching everyone the news is, then. everyone is paying attention to the news, um, a former member of the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV-AIDS, uh, Scott Schatz, I believe his name is, uh, he tweeted, He first of all, he quit the council in June after saying, you know, the Trump presidency is trying to dismantle LGBTQ rights yeah. and HIV-AIDS research. Uh, so he quit the council in June along with some other members. And then he tweeted last week that the Trump administration had, you know, quietly without fanfare, fired the entire rest of the advisory council um, and that they had just received FedEx letters in the mail um, notifying them of their termination. And it's really hard not to see the vice president's fingerprints all over this. Like we were saying before, Trump doesn't really care about implementing exactly. a Exactly. He, I, you know, I do believe that he has, you know, homophobic views, as sure. we can see with the trans military ban and things he's said about that. Meanwhile, Ivanka Trump loves to talk about how she has so many gay friends. Um, anyway, it's hard to not see Mike Pence's fingerprints all over this in terms of setting back HIV AIDS research, not just domestically, but abroad. One of George W. Bush's greatest accomplishments as president was instituting PEPFAR, the program um, 
you know, researching, doing AIDS research and support in Africa, Sub-Saharan uh, uh, Africa. Uh, there, there, that, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I still like hold grudges against George W. Bush for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But like one thing that you have to say about George W. Bush is he saw that this was a thing and that mm-hmm. it needed to be addressed. And he put his money where his, or put the money where the, where his mouth was mm-hmm. when it comes to AIDS in Africa. So I think it's important to pay attention to stories like this to recognize that obviously George W. Bush was no great ally to sure. the LGBTQ community. No. Um, and neither was Bill Clinton for that matter in terms of don't ask, don't tell. Right. Uh, but the point is that the Trump presidency, the Pence vice presidency, is going farther yeah. than, you know, cons- social conservatives in power in the 2000s did, which is a really scary prospect. Yeah, I mean, this this story to me is one of those things that, like, if any other president tried to do something similar to this, right, it would be a huge story. There would be an outcry, and people would just kind of like, eh. So it is worth noting that this does have precedent and that Barack Obama did sort of do a similar clearing of House um, when he became president after George W. Bush. The difference is that Barack Obama is not a virulent homophobe um, and is not trying, or at least did not seem to be wanting to try to roll back HIV AIDS research. The whole thing. Right, right, right. That makes sense. All right. Uh, Stay with us. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, Claire Foran is going to be joining us here. In the next segment of the program, so much more to talk about. Our last segment of our first show of 2018, a real milestone, folks. It's coming up next here on the Bill Price Show. Stay tuned. Stay off the damn weed. Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show, 35 minutes past the hour here on January 2nd, 2018. Uh, Thank you all so very much for uh, tuning in last week. While we were out, we had a lot of uh, exclusive content that we put up there on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And we also put it up on our podcast form. Just look for The Bill Press Show anywhere that you get your podcasts. Um, Still up there. Go check it out. Go listen. Go watch. Go tell your friends. And by the way, if you are watching on YouTube, it's important to mention, uh, if you just click on the link to get here to where you're watching right now, make sure you hit the subscribe button there inside of YouTube. Uh, You'll not only become a subscriber, but you'll get little notifications where we put new stuff up. Um, so it's it's worth doing. It's worth your time. If you have a Google account, just just go do it already. Right? What are you waiting for? Uh, Emma Roller from Splinter News stays with us uh, for the rest of the hour. We are joined by Claire Foran, our friend, freelance journalist. I, as we discussed, I, I'm only bringing women on the show today so that I could just yell at women. This is, uh, well, this is canon. <laughs> this is now canon. Good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. I hate women. This yeah. is <laughs> Bill Press Show Bill, Bill Press doesn't show. approve of killing dogs That's does approve of harassing women. True. <laughs> All true. The name of today's podcast, Peter Hates Women. <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. Is... I'm sure we get more listens than usual. <laughs> yeah, probably. From like Mike Cernovich 
Alex Jones. I, I, I mean, it's one way to, you know, get more. Yeah, right? Red-pilled for the holidays. <laughs> By the way, Mike Cernovich was going to quit social media, but he never did. What happened? All right, first of all, uh, I saw that he was going to quit, and then he came back. Yeah. Is that what happened? I quit. I was gone for like two months off of Twitter, but I'm back now. Um, How did it feel to be gone? I'm going to tell you. I've completely redone my brain and how I no I'm serious like I don't like I used to constantly just mm-hmm. like when I got bored I checked Twitter yeah, and now I'm like oh yeah Twitter I should check Twitter like yeah, I haven't even good. looked at it this morning yeah. that's great the thing that I hate the most is like late night Twitter like I feel like I'm about to go to sleep and I'm like I'll go to sleep at an, a reasonable hour yeah and then I'm just like but I should just check Twitter first just real quick two hours just, later like, endless scroll mm-hmm. like it's not productive no it's yeah. not that's the thing. And Twitter is just like generally kind of bad takes from mm-hmm. 70% of the people that I see on Twitter. It's mostly bad takes. And so much of Twitter is also surfacing other people's bad takes where it just becomes this concentrated feed of bad things. Yeah. My solution, my temporary solution, solution has been to delete the Twitter app off of my phone, yeah. which – I can still access it through Chrome, but it's just more annoying and like clunky. Yeah. And I can't like just be refreshing the feed all the time. So that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Maybe I should do that. I deactivated and deleted, and then I had to put it back on. But I don't. I, I'm not going there very much. I'm just looking every now and then. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I think for me, the like obviously it's a home for people who hate women and minorities and can say whatever they want to, really horrible things to but people. But enough about your Twitter feed. But enough about me, <laughs> folks. Like it's obviously very, very bad for all these things. But for me, once they made 280 characters accessible mm-hmm. for everybody, yeah. my sense of aesthetics was mostly offended. That was too far for me. That was a bridge too far. That was too much. Say yeah. all the horrible things you want to to people, <laughs> but by God, if you have more characters to say it in, I'm, I'm out. I'm it is, out. It is a lot to sift through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. I would say I've, I've, I've totally reprogrammed my brain. I put my brain away. I've taken away Twitter. I look at it in a totally different light yeah. now because I, too, have reprogrammed my brain, and you, too, can do it with have these. Have you been taking your gorilla mindset I've supplements? Been, I've been taking my pills. I've been taking my pills, folks. I'm not looking at Twitter very much. Um, God. We still live in hell. That's yeah. that's that's the theme of today's show. It's 2018, New Year. We still live in hell. Do you remember the YouTube vlogger that uh, came across a dead body yep. in the Japanese yep. suicide forest? I spent like last night catching up on this. Song. Okay, yeah. what? Wait, I have to talk oh. about this a little bit. This I'm is actually why I brought up Cernovich. Tell you all about it. Anyway, go ahead. I have don't to. Know, I have but... to tell you a little bit about this. This guy Logan Paul. Yeah, so he's like Who a I have social media. About. I've known about. Yeah, it. I just uh, recently. Yeah, lots of followers. All right, I have to tell you something. I'm not proud of this. Is this a hoax? I ha- no, no, no. It's totally true. Lo- so. I'm not proud of this. I have a son who's a like a fan of Logan Paul. Which no, son? is it Magnus? It's Magnus. No. What does he see That's in him? Awful. I know. I know. Magnus. Oh, Magnus, if you're watching, wake up. This is going to be a. <laughs> wake he up, watches. Sheeple. He does watch sometimes. He, he doesn't go to school for for a little while. Uh, this is. I got Magnus a piece of Logan Paul merchandise. What is wrong with you? What was it? You just went from best dad ever to worst dad ever. Well, look, in his eyes, I'm the best dad ever because it's what he really wanted. But it's just like it's just a hoodie that's got a little stupid design on it. Uh, It doesn't say like Logan. There's two of them, right? There's Logan, and then there's like there's Jake Paul. Yeah, and they're both problematic. 
Chandler, Jason, Seth, Matthews. <laughs> Hunter. Honestly, you could put yeah. two white-sounding names together, and yeah. I would believe yeah. you that they're a YouTube Chad, star. Chad, Paul. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I know Chad, Paul. You know Chad, Paul? Chris, Chad Chris. Brown, Chris, Chris. Hayden, <laughs> Aiden. Sorry, I'm reading off a list here. Hayden uh, Christensen. <laughs> Cobb Salad. <laughs> Cobb Salad, Paul. Yes. Chad. You know so anyway, he he's this YouTube guy. And YouTube star, I hate to say the word YouTube star, but he goes and he just like films himself doing dumb things. I feel like it's pretty much like jackass for the YouTube sort generation. Of, I don't it, even know what he does normally. Is it just like is it pranks? This was the first sometimes they're pranks thing that I ever watched was this thing that's now really controversial. So um, they went to. Have you heard of this? This is called the Suicide Forest. Yes, they made that yeah. movie about. There's it. There's a great mm-hmm. movie about it. it. Talks about it. It's just, I mean, it's it's a like at, near the base of Mount Fuji, there's a uh, a forest where people will go and kill themselves, and it's just like not like in any way sanctioned, but it's become like it's become like a thing for it, yeah. and like yeah. And so he went there and saw a dead body and put it all like filmed the whole thing on YouTube. Yeah, it's really bad. Well, he clearly went there in order to do that. Right? Yeah, well, I mean, why else would you go to the suicide? Yeah. Place, to go see a dead body and put it on camera. By so the way, like, he, okay, so the video before it was removed garnered over half a million likes and 6.3 million views. He by the way, up, that's, that's a lot of money. He picked up 57,000 YouTube subscribers off that video. That is YouTube dragged their feet before taking it down because it's mm-hmm. good for their business, too. Yeah, it is. It totally is. He put out an apology, which is not a, it's a pretty thin apology, but I don't know. I'll have to talk to Magnus about this. That's my takeaway. You pull that it's, plug. Yeah, yeah. No more Logan Paul. I'm going to burn that Logan Paul hoodie. We need to find a YouTube celebrity who's not problematic to like replace him in, in Magnus's viewing. <laughs> Magnus, have you heard of Bill Press? <laughs> you should watch yeah. the Bill Press channel. Needs more pranks, this show. Yeah. To... Actually, like you're a part typical... of one right now. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> what? what? All right, I want to ask you both uh, about New Year's Eve because Donald Trump um, not only raised the price of admission for his big New Year's Eve tacular at Mar-a-Lago, um, he showed up there and he put on a tuxedo and brought Melania and Baron, and he went to Jamie. I want that that first clip where he just sort of wishes all the revelers Happy New Year. We're going to have a great year. It's going to be a fantastic 2018. We're off to a very good start, as you know, with the great tax cuts and ANWR and getting rid of the individual mandate, which was very, very unpopular, as you know. So, to me, the mo- the weirdest part of this isn't that he-, he took part in it, but, like, it didn't highlight any problem that we have in this country. It wasn't for, like, a charity that he was raising money for. It wasn't to oh, commemorate. No. Like, it was just to like make buying some money. Access. It was just yeah. buying access to the president. And I can't do this. I'm going to try and leave this behind in 2017. But, like, I imagine, like, if Hillary Clinton was president or if Barack Obama was so president and they did something similar, how we would all lose our collective minds. Mm-hmm. And, like, how does Trump continue to get away with this? It's something yeah. that I, I feel like this versus the Russia investigation stuff, while an important story, I feel like the enriching, 
the tr- entire Trump family, by the way, enriching themselves yeah. off the presidency is a gigantic, like, should be covered like a Watergate style scandal. He hasn't divested from his businesses. Nope. They made Jimmy Carter sell his peanut farm when he became president. And meanwhile, Donald Trump is still involved in like the DC, Trump DC hotel, you know, internationally. It's it's mind boggling. Yeah. yeah, no, I think about this and like why it hasn't, you know, why it doesn't seem to receive more attention. But I think it's just like people just only have so much mental bandwidth and there's so many things to keep track of. There's so much news and so many like new controversies, scandals, like insane things, things without precedent, norm shattering that it's like this is like. I'm not saying that there's a hierarchy, but I think like mentally, like you, it, it's so hard for people to just like hold that all in your head or mm-hmm. like have a constant state of sort of outrage or sort of caring about it. And this this tends to be the yeah. thing that I feel like people just kind of like. I think a lot of people are sort of kind of aware of it, but it just, it's not. It doesn't break through right. as much. Yeah, I think you really have to be paying attention to this. Stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, two things. One. Um, I remember talking to a lot of Trump voters in the in 2016 in the run up to the election, talking about why they liked him despite, you know, and I talked to especially women. I'd be like, well, you know, or who would admit his, his braggadocio character and his womanizing and all that, but say he's running for the presidency for the right reasons. Yeah. He's already so rich. Why else would right. he <laughs> run to become president? He doesn't need any more money. I think those people really underestimated the extent of of people's greed in America. Yeah. And the second thing is, um, I completely forgot. Never mind. Well, you know what? You know what I think is so perfect about this is this is like Trump is one of the most powerful men in the world now, and he's using it to like charge the guests at Mar-a-Lago an extra hundred fifty dollars for a New Year's Eve bash. Like that's his big money grab. He's like a, a common. Grifter, right? Like, like someone doing a shell game, so much yeah. higher, and he's and he's basically just like, hey, I'll get you. Like people who have more money to burn, yeah. They're like, oh, we're gonna charge an extra two hundred bucks to get into this year's New Year's Eve party. The other thing that I, the second thing that I remembered is that I think that people aren't freaking out as much about all of the Trump corporation corruption as they could or should be, is because it confirms how we already tend to think about politicians. Like we kind of have gotten to a point in politics where we assume all politicians have are operating kind of at some level of bad faith and are just, you know, trying to enrich themselves. You know, you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And so it's not surprising, whereas I think people tend to get more amped up about the Russia stuff because it it taps into those sort of like spy thriller um, narratives. I think the other thing, too, is that it's like it's not. And like to my original point that it's like we just can't mentally comprehend everything that's going on with the administration. It's like something like selling tickets to Mar-a-Lago and then Trump showing up is like something he would have done like before the presidency. So like if you kind of accept that he's this businessman president that like has no experience and is like bringing this into the White House, it's not like so logically like it's it's very, you know, norm shattering from like a presidential standpoint. And like, of course, you should not continue to act that way once you are the president for all these reasons but I think that if you kind of accept that it's not as like shocking mentally so people are more willing to just kind of like I don't know it's not like it's like okay like well I'm sure he would have done that before whereas when you're trying to comprehend like did the, uh, the did this presidential campaign like 
collude with right. the Russians. Like that's a much sh- more shocking. Right. So I think that's it too. Hey, uh, he. I, I mean, none of us really should spend a lot of time guessing where we're going to go with politics in the future. I think that's a good lesson that we. I like learned. to call it politrix. Politrix. <laughs> That's within, trademarked, within folks. T-R-I-X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But how much of this, like my thing that I said probably more than anything else in 2017 is we're going to find out just how much of the presidency exists because... <laughs> what survives. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. well, like these are rules that keep the president in line mm-hmm. and that he or she must abide by versus... These are just traditions, and every person that's been in there has, like, at least on some level been a good person. Um, But, like, it turns out, like, there's not a lot to really keep a president in line. Well, that's what worries me about, like, the personal enrichment, family enrichment thing is that I feel like what we've seen so far with the administration is that norms – to the extent that we still have them are, are enforced when there is like a really big public backlash driven by like media coverage, like things like, you know, Michael Flynn ultimately being let go from the administration because there was reporting on his contacts mm-hmm. with like Russian, um, you know, officials like like when there's a big like backlash. I mean, not always. Like, don't get me wrong, but sure. sometimes you see, like, mm-hmm. sort of a check. Pressure like, within, does work. Yeah, like, pressure seen, yeah. does work. And then, so I guess my concern with the kind of personal enrichment thing is that, like, I feel like it, it's not that there isn't coverage by any means, but, like, you don't seem to see the same, like, bubbling, like, anger, rage, backlash that would, like, cause them to change their behavior in any way. So I feel like the message that sends to future politi- politicos is, like, eh, why not? Like, yeah, right. I mean, it's not, like... <laughs> Right. A problem for them. When Pat Toomey, um, who I also wrote about on Splinter recently. Um, Splinternews.com. Splinternews.com. Uh, he, you know, kind of carried the football across the proverbial end zone. I don't know if I'm using that metaphor correctly. Sure. Uh, <laughs> Sports. Close enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, with uh, reference to the tax bill, right after he was named one of the main senators who would be working on the tax bill, he bought, I think, tens of thousand dollars in GE stock. And it's that sort of thing, like exactly what you're talking about, Claire. Mm-hmm. Politicians are just being given full license license yeah. to mm-hmm. be like, well, why not? Why not just like partake in a little light insider training? Why not? Because there's no repercussions. Who cares? Who cares? And, and I think part of it is... Because there are so many different things going on, it's hard to care about that. But I also think that at some point, it's going to get them in trouble. I do, because I think the only people who can really get away with that are, it's like Trump. Because Trump is Trump, and Trump is going to do that. And I think that if politicians, if their uh, uh, lesson from this whole rise of Trump is, well, I could just do whatever I want and people don't care. I think they're going to get burned because I think Trump gets away with it because he's Trump. Mm. Do you think people hold Trump to a lower standard than (laughs) other politicians? I mean, obviously they do. Yes. Case in point, Al Franken resigned. Mm -hmm. Today. Sure. Effective today, Al Franken's out. Or even like not quite analogous, but to some extent like, you know, the Roy Moore race being sure. somewhat of a test of like how low is our bar, and you know it wasn't that low. Look, Roy Moore ran a Trumpy case, campaign. Yeah. 
Like, he won the primary by running essentially as Trump. That's my question is, do you think it's that people have give more license to Trumpian politics and people who espouse that? Or is it Trump himself who has the lower standard and then everyone else is subject to a different standard? I guess Roy Moore's defeat kind of shows that it might be Trump-specific. I think it might be Trump-specific. I, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. What do I know? I think that, yeah, I mean... Well, but Trump yeah. shows his face more often than someone like Roy Moore did, right? Roy Moore was in hiding. Right, that's true. He but... had the confidence that Trump had, and the, I, I'm, I'm going to put my blinders on and not pay attention to what he viewed as fake news yeah. like Trump does. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, Trump doesn't give press conferences, but he's out there. He's out there mm-hmm. far more than Roy Moore was. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. And I think, I mean, you know, not to state the obvious, but like another thing, too, is in some ways it's like Trump got elected. I mean, he got elected by the Electoral College, but he lost, you know, massively the popular vote. And he has an incredibly low approval rating and Mm -hmm. continues to set record low. So it's not like I don't know. It's not like certainly not like, oh, the majority of the American public like has stamped their approval on him um, and it's remained low. But I think my favorite Donald Trump tweet, if that can even be a phrase (laughs) that is said um, of 2017 was I think in December he tweeted out it was like new poll. And it was like a big graphic that said like forty three percent approval rating. Like, yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, yeah. We talked about <laughs> so this. So good. We talked yeah. about this. Like all the Republic or all the Democrats that ran from Barack Obama mm-hmm. because he but, was at a forty nine percent approval rating at yeah. the time. They were like, oh my god, how could we possibly the go Joe and run Manch- with him? Joe Mansions sure. of the world. But like, there were even like. Republicans who could have won if they had run with Barack Obama, mm-hmm. and they were like, no, 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 we can't run with Barack oh, Obama. Yeah. He's at a 49% approval rating. Mm-hmm. I'd like to point out, it's January 2nd. Go ahead. Multiple weeks after the Alabama election, Roy Moore has yet to concede. He's still fighting it. So he, that's, um, oh, I was just going to say, like, because the thing, you know, when you guys are saying, like, is it just Trump? Is it not? I mean, I think it can be both. Like, it's like sure. we to tie it all together. Sure. It's like we can both see from certain things like, you know, Moore's loss that, you know, the American public isn't quite ready to, like, say, sure, like, let's abandon all, like, standards. But at the same time, like, Trump, whether it's, you know, personal enrichment or just other flouting of democratic norms, I think is going to erode those things. So, like, more failing to concede. Like, that's, right. I mean, that's, like, a huge thing. Um, he has lost, and Doug Jones is going to be sworn in it's tomorrow. Over. It's yeah, completely it's over. over, and it's not going to materially change the outcome. But that's a really big deal. Like, somebody for a Senate race not admitting that they lost. Like, that's not mm-hmm. how, like, a healthy, functioning democracy works. Like, mm-hmm. where you have somebody, and, and the way he didn't, like, the way he's refused to concede is to say that, like you know there was like unsubstantiated claims of like voter fraud and like yeah sowing distress in the this is this is what we were afraid of when we were all so sure that hillary clinton was going to win that donald trump was going to do what roy moore is doing now yeah Mm -hmm. right so i think it's a mixture it's like you know maybe trump can get away with certain things that other people can't and like there are still some checks but at the same time like there's gonna be inevitably at the same time just to um play devil's advocate. I do think Roy Moore has been this way for his entire career. Sure. Yeah. I think there's yeah. I think he hasn't conceded like his past races yeah, he, that he's he won didn't. run and well, lost. Well, he didn't he refused to be so he was twice removed from the bench in Alabama right. and he like 
because he wouldn't like leave like he was like Ugh. no like despite being in violation of <laughs> he's just whatever. a crotchety so, yes, yeah. you are right it is definitely MF-er. like it's definitely like a a thing that he does mm-hmm. but at the same time I yeah I mean my worry would be do you know does that does it like pave the way for yeah, other people to do say other people that. do that too mm-hmm. by the way this is a funny tweet that I just wanted to get in from from earlier today so Donald Trump on Christmas Day, essentially said, yeah, Merry Christmas, I'm spending it with the family. Looking forward to getting back to work tomorrow, which meant he was back on the golf course. Uh, Karun Demirjian, uh, who, uh, uh, she's a reporter, she's on CNN a lot. She tweeted that pro golfer Taylor Funk tells CNN that when Trump golfs, he's all about the golf. He doesn't take official phone calls during the game. Because he played with Trump uh, uh, over the weekend. So all this Golf stuff, games are long, by the uh, way. Golf games golf. are long. I mean, you're like... And he's I not, guess I just assumed that. I assumed <laughs> that he wasn't doing anything but he riding around in a golf cart. Game. Like, when Barack Obama played golfers, well, it was usually on the weekends or on a holiday. And I just assumed that they had someone nearby that was like, if anything happened, they would come yeah. and give him the phone. Remember we got upset where Hillary Clinton not answering the phone in the middle of the night? Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. And there's just so many uh, – it would take forever to do this, but I want to compile, like, a supercut of the Mark Levins and Rush oh Limbaugh's of the world talking about Obama golfing. Yeah, yeah. losing their minds mm-hmm. over Obama golfing. Yeah. golfing. Anyway, uh, that's all the time we have for the first show of 2018. I'm so glad I got to spend it with Claire Foran and Emma Roller. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. yeah. Follow Claire on Twitter at CKMarie. Follow Emma on Twitter at Emma Roller. And uh, we will be back here tomorrow, folks. More Star Wars. No, 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 no. This is the Bill Press Show.